Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot where the conversations are pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Did you bring your thinking caps? Because it's time to put them on. Because the conversation starts now. Oh boy, is that fun? It's challenging. Yeah, well, you know, are all teenagers challenging, mm. or or is it us as uh, as adults that we don't conform and concede? What do you think that is? I think all teenagers are challenging. I think it's just in the nature of being a teenager. Well, don't you think that can be also a little bit of a coercive control as well? Because uh, there could be a manipulation factor on both sides, you know, because as adults, we lived a certain kind of life, certain rules, certain guidelines. But as children evolve, things change. Do you think that we manipulate them or they manipulate us? Well, I think what happens is that when we're when we're born as babies you know we can't meet our own needs so we're totally reliant on our parents or caregivers to meet our needs for us so what happens is no parent no matter how hard they try can possibly meet all the baby's needs because the baby can't communicate its needs. It doesn't even know what its needs are. So every single baby learns what we call coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. They learn how to deal with the pain of not getting their needs met 100% of the time. And so what happens is these coping mechanisms form part of our personality. So this all happens around ages two to four. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is from four to seven, um, you know, we're then starting to develop the conscious part of the mind. So we're starting to learn who we are as a person and how we fit in the world mm -hmm. and so that's predominantly we form those opinions by looking at other people looking at our own place in our own family hmm. and saying this is how the world is um and so we make up beliefs about ourselves and about how the world is and then what happens when we get to the teenage years is we start to rebel against all those things that we've been told as children. And we start to want to figure things out for ourselves and become more independent. And so that's sort of a growth phase that we go through as teenagers, mm -hmm. which is what creates the conflict with you know, with parents or, or caregivers, because we're still trying to um, not necessarily control, but parent them in the same way, 
whereas they're going through this sort of metamorphosis stage, a bit like the butterfly, you know, changing from a caterpillar and now it's still in its chrysalis, but it's struggling to break out. Mm -hmm. And struggling to break out based upon social confines. But also, yes, they, but the things that have been instilled in them are can be epigenetics, intergenerational things that we have learned from our parents, not Absolutely. allowing them to, you know, to spread their wings and fly. Because I tell you, the young people now are a whole lot different than when you and I grew up. You know, some people say they're about 10 years developmentally delayed than what we were is structured perfectly here on the edge brains we just got to talk and i wanted to get her opinion on that because she says she's you know she's uh, got a blended family there with two young uh adults we're on the edge the place where the conversation is pointed the guests are sharp and the responses are never dull and we have the beautiful Rania batores from australia she has a very interesting um title for the work that she does she is an ambassador for coercive control. Well, me, when I thought about it, I thought about being manipulated. I thought about being told what to do, being controlled. Um, but also, we have to take our responsibility and our seat at the table for allowing this type of behavior. That's How right. do we adjust? How do we look at it with an eagle eye view? Some criticism is necessary. It is. It's a part of our development. But it's how we respond. So she's going to go over that and a whole lot more. Let's welcome her to the edge. How are you today, Bronya? I'm great. Thanks, April. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, okay. So again, we talked a little bit about the young people and how we start developing these patterns and trying to see where we fit into this thing called life. It's a struggle. I'm 60 years old and I wake up some days still scratching my head. How did you end up in this space and why did you decide to take this genre on uh, when it comes to helping develop individuals? I'm going to say individuals. I know you work primarily with women, but men need some help with (laughs) coercive control too. (laughs) Well, that's right. Um, So I grew up in an abusive household myself where um, my dad was either absent or when he was home, he uh, was angry or just withdrawn or arguing with my mum about something. So it was quite on or off, you know, he was either there and I was scared of him or he was gone and then I was left with my brothers because my mum spent all her time in the kitchen doing cooking, cleaning, washing, all those things. So really nobody parented me as a child. I was just left to my own devices and I had three older brothers who thought I was a perfect person to bully and pick on and take all their frustration out on. 
So what you were the only learned, you were the only girl. Yes, and the youngest. Mm. So I was a great target. Okay, so now let's go back to what you said <clears throat> a little bit in the introduction about coercive control and young people. Do you feel, in all transparency, that you may have developed some of your insight, feelings, or emotions around adolescence, and not your particular family members, but adolescence, based upon what you were subjected to as a child by brothers and absent father or a controlling father? Um, I think what I learned was to become invisible, that that was the best way to stay safe and that the way to behave was to put up and shut up. Mm. So I learned to become a good victim. Okay. Were you a people pleaser? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Did you um, um did you find it hard to fit in with your peer group? Oh, absolutely. I was so shy. I had no social or or interpersonal skills, so I didn't know how to talk to people. And at school I was super intelligent. So the teachers just basically ignored me and focused on the other kids in the class. So I just sort of flew under the radar and nobody really realized that I was this frightened, traumatized little girl. Wow. So what brought you out of your shell? Um, well, when I was an adult and went out into the big wide world and the workplace, you know, I struggled because I didn't have those skills. I didn't know how to speak up for myself. I didn't know how to stand up for myself. I didn't know, you know, how to relate to people in a normal way. And, and, the, word, and the word normal is subjective. Well, that's true, let's say, in a healthy way. Okay. Because all I knew was what I'd experienced in my family. So I didn't really have a concept of what love was, because the only love I'd experienced was abuse. Okay. And so when did you find self-love? Because that's, that's the key. That, when did you, a lot of times people look for love. There's a country Western song looking for love in all the wrong places. Well, and that's what, yes, that's exactly what happens. So, you know, I went into adult relationships thinking, you know, when I meet the right man, then I'm going to be happy. You know, he's going to fix me. He's going to fill up this big black hole that I've got inside of me. But of course, no man can do that for us or woman. Um, 
we have to fill that hole ourselves. So I was about 37 mm. when I woke up one day and realized that I didn't know how to do relationships. And that if I ever wanted to get married and have children at 37, I'd better do something about it pretty damn quickly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so that's what started me on my journey of personal development. So now you work on relationships, okay? Yes. And you have a certain expertise in this area. Mm -hmm. Relationships come in all shapes, sizes, packages, and you have to edit and filter as well as, I don't want to use the word manipulate, but adjust them based upon the players, based upon our learning, based upon judgment. And I speak for myself because I am judgmental. And I will tell people, I don't try to, you know, uh, live under that, oh, I don't judge. Absolutely. Because my judgments allow me to create boundaries. Ooh. That doesn't mean that my judgments are negative. You know, my judgments can be very favorable. Mm -hmm. But I do take the time to look at the experience, the individual, the uh, the, the, the the confines of, of this relationship and see where I am and see how it applies. So now you get into this work of relationships after you've been through all of this. What was the turning point for you as far as when you turned 37, the evolution and you're saying, not only do I want to work on myself, but I want to be able to take this information, knowledge, and pour it into others. What made you want to do that? Well, I was working as an accountant at the time, <laughs> and I'd always known that that wasn't something I was really passionate about. It was just a job that actually paid the bills. And so... um when I started to do my own personal development, I went on courses and seminars and things like that. And I worked with other members of the audience. And I realized that I had a gift for working with people. And so that's when I started to realize that this is something I could do. This is something I'm good at. And then when I actually started to do it, you know, as a hobby, I realized that I was good at it and it was what I was passionate about. And so that's when I then, after doing it as a hobby for several years, I then made it actually into my full-time business. It's called the new winning. Mm -hmm. What are people winning? Define that for me. Well, it's about winning at life because most of us go through life just surviving and not thriving. Okay. Most of us, you know, we get up every day, we go to work, we do our job, we come home, we, you know, watch TV, we might go out for dinner, you know, maybe a few times a year we go on holiday, but most of the time, we're just going through the motions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We're not really thriving, which means 
growing within ourselves as people. We're not really experiencing life to the full. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it's called the new winning is because we've grown up thinking that in order to win, I have to be successful. I have to, you know, make money or I have to have a bigger house or a better car or a bigger TV. I have to beat the guy next to me. You know, I have to sabotage him so that I can win. And the new winning is about realizing that that old paradigm doesn't work. And the only way to truly win is if we form a team and we all lift each other up so that we're all winning. Right. And that is the new paradigm that we must adopt. We want to adopt, but you know, a lot of people, there's, well, not a lot of people, there's introverts that don't particularly care to be a part of a group. Anya, let's focus on the work that you do now. Trauma, mm -hmm. healing, recovery, redemption. Tell us a little bit about that. So when we find ourselves getting into toxic relationships, and let me just define what I consider to be a toxic relationship. So it's actually for me, anything that is not a healthy relationship. So then what is a healthy relationship? That is something where two mature adults come together, but rather than trying to get something from the other person, to fill themselves up or to get the other person to meet their needs. It's two mature people coming together and saying, I've got these needs and I want to meet them in this way. And they communicate and collaborate and they compromise. Now, okay. what happens in most relationships, and I kind of think of it a bit like the tectonic plates of the earth, two adults who, you know, when they're on their own as single people, are used to doing whatever they want, when they want, how they want. They're used to meeting their own needs in the way that works for them. And then all of a sudden, they come into a relationship and they suddenly think, well, you know, this relationship is going to meet my needs or this other person is going to meet my needs. But actually, that's not healthy because it makes you dependent on that other person. And then if they're not there for any reason, you get all bent out of shape because, well, hang on now, my needs aren't getting met. Mm -hmm. But it's not their job to meet our needs. It's our job to meet our needs. And nobody's ever really taught us this. So we've learned as a society that other people have power over us and that we've learned to be victims. 
whether it's simply to the fact that the government decides <clears throat> what happens in the country we live in, or they decide how much tax we pay, or they decide, you know, the local council decides how often people come to pick up the trash or how many police officers there are. So we've just systematically throughout society been trained that other people are in control and other people have the right to make decisions for us. So we've become accustomed to giving other people the power to direct our life. And I have this. So little... where does... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, you go on. No, finish. I just have this little quote that I really like. Um... With the story of your life, you don't get to write the whole book, just your character. That's yeah. an interesting perspective. But the thing is, most of us are going through life just reading the book. Not realizing that it's our job to write our own book. Right. But we're just... we all we're all characters in a play. And right. I just kind of I kind of think that's you know. Sometimes people write the scenes for you and you are a character. You are the character actor. You have to play out your role. I get that. But where does trauma come into that? And how do you help people overcome that? Because again, that trauma sometimes is self-induced. Other times it's inflicted by outside influences. So when we think about trauma, we normally think about big things like a war or having a car crash or, you know, nearly dying. But there's a different type of trauma, which is much more subtle. And it starts again in childhood. And so if we had, a, you know, grew up in a household that was not loving and nurturing and supportive, then we actually experience trauma. And everybody has been through this. Just being born is a traumatic process. So we've all experienced trauma. But some of us are able to process the emotion associated with that trauma. And some of us aren't. So what happens is if we can't process the trauma, it gets trapped inside our bodies and then it's stuck there. So although um, our body, you know, continues growing and becomes an adult and intellectually we become an adult, a little part of our emotional self is trapped at the age that we were when that trauma happened. Mm -hmm. So all of us are adults going about in the adult world, going to work, driving cars, doing all that adult stuff. But we're really little kids inside adult bodies. Mm -hmm. And what happens is when something in our current day-to-day -day life 
reminds us, and this is all happening in the subconscious part of your mind. This is not conscious. Subconsciously, something is familiar to that trauma that we experienced. It could be years ago. Consciously, we can have no memory of it, but subconsciously it's stored in our body. And so what happens is when this thing happens in the here and now, which reminds our subconscious of that original trauma, we go back to the age that we were when that trauma happened. And we see this all the time with road rage or you know, you get into an argument with somebody in a store and all of a sudden you go from being this mature, rational adult to having a two-year-old temper tantrum. Mm -hmm. And then five minutes later, you're back to being your mature adult again. And you look at the behavior you just did and you think, where did that come from? Mm -hmm. What was that all about? You know, we've all been through it ourselves and we've all seen it happening with other people. And you just look at them and think, wow, this is just like a two-year-old. Right. So where do you start to begin to break the pattern to uh, to correct this behavior? So what most traditional therapists do is they try to get us to remember what has happened to us and to talk about it and that by talking about it we can then process that emotion and be able to let it go but that's a long and painful process so I use a process that's much quicker and easier where you don't have to talk about it. You don't have to remember it. You don't even have to know what's happened to you. What we do is we just integrate those trapped, stuck parts into your main personality. And once we integrate them, they no longer have any power over you. How do we start to develop and understand our main personality? Personality traits, are they something that are ingrained in you innately? Are you born with them? Are they developed by your life experience? Uh, or are they something that are that is transformational? What's your position on that? Well, you know, the nature versus nurture argument has been going on for a long time. And I think it's both. I think that we are born with a lot of those traits. And actually they've proven that we can be carrying on the day that we're born, we can be carrying the trauma from seven generations of our ancestors. Epigenetics, absolutely. So yes, partly we're born with it. But then partly our characteristics are a reflection of how we're parented, the life experiences that we have, and also the meaning that we make up in our heads mm -hmm. about the life experiences that we've had. Mm -hmm. Now, you say that you have a groundbreaking uh, methodology. Can you give mm -hmm. us just a taste 
of what that feels like when you're working with a client? You know, I know it's intellectual and I know that it's a lot of deep diving and all that, but give us just the, the crust of it. So basically the client just um, closes their eyes and it's just like they're listening to a guided meditation. But actually what's happening is I'm connecting with their mind at a super conscious level. And I can then give instructions. And as long as those instructions are in the best interest of the person and in their highest good, then their superconscious will act on those instructions. So I can tell it to integrate all those stuck parts that are holding on to the trauma. And the superconscious will do that. So that's how we integrate those sort of split off parts of ourselves. So just kind of, you know, encapsulating that, would it be fair to say that it would be a form of maybe hypnosis? hypnosis? Subconscious suggestion. Kind of. Kind of, yeah. I'm just, you know, kind trying, of. To, trying to lay the groundwork for people that have never, you know, have never dealt this deep. Because I've been, you know, hypnotized. Um, thank goodness that I can say uh, very humbly that I have not been severely traumatized there's of course like you said all of us have had some sort of trauma but just something that is just really my trigger you know I have a certain smell or a certain person that I'm around or you know a, a, a snapshot in time I can't really recall any of that but mm -hmm. it was interesting when I did go under hypnosis the things that again like you say that you suppressed that you really mm -hmm. don't allow because we are working from the frontal lobe you know but that is where again your judgments are your learnings your abilities disabilities traumas the way that you process information that's where we're working at this part here we never really go back here to do the deep dive so when you you know when you pull back the layers of the onion there are going to be tears it's going to make you cry what is uh, some of your success stories? Tell me a uh, success story that you've had with one of your clients where you really saw a breakthrough. So um, I've had clients who were really struggling in their relationships because they kept repeating the same pattern. You know, no matter how much they tried to choose a different man this time you know so instead of going for a rich man they'd go for a poor man or instead of going for a professional they'd go for you know a manual laborer or something but what I was able to make them see is that it wasn't the things on the surface that make the difference it was that energy of that person and the energy was the same throughout and that she actually had a pattern of getting into relationships with 
men who were either heavy drinkers or who were, you know, controlling or abusive in some way. And she wasn't aware that this was a pattern. Mm. So part of my job is to join those dots together and help the client see, oh, yeah, actually, that was the same and that was the same and that was the same. Because we don't want to see those things. We stay in denial of those things. That's how our mind is designed to work, is designed to prevent us from feeling the pain of those things. So yes, there's some level of um, awakening that happens and that can be painful when we start to realize all the ways in which we have hurt ourselves by choosing those partners and then allowing them to hurt us. Well, that's wonderful that, you know, that you have really done the heavy lifting and that you have really worked with people to see the consistency of their actions and you have them Mm. to take a seat at the table. That's one of the challenges that I see with people is that they fail to accept responsibility for their own actions. That's right. You know, and, but then they'll say, well, I'm a victim. It's not my fault. This person did this. Yeah. Uh, How can you say to me that I allow this to happen? Yeah. It's it's tough. It's tough. It is tough. And I, I see it all the time. And I'm not minimizing in any way the suffering that those people have gone through. Uh, I know how real it is because I've been there myself. So I know that they were a victim and that he did that to them. But the fact of the matter remains that they chose that partner in the first place. So although they were a victim at the time that the abuse happened, they can't keep saying, well, I don't know why this keeps happening to me. It's nothing to do with me. It's them. Mm -hmm. Sooner or later, you have to come to a point of realization where you say, oh, What's the common denominator among all these situations? And the answer is me. Okay. And so when per- when a person finds and has this aha moment and says, wow, I'm willing to change. Mm. Um, it's scary because it's a whole new paradigm. Yes. You know, they realize that it's like my girlfriend lost 120 pounds, thought she was going to be happy. She's more miserable now than she was when she had that extra 120 pounds because she shed a whole person. And so now she has to readjust. Same thing. When this person starts this new winning, you know, they want to keep in that vein. They want to keep going in that trajectory, in that trajectory. 
uh, and they're going to have stumbling blocks. Mm-hmm. But at least with the tools that you are providing them, they're able to realize, they're able to set those other things aside and say, hey, this is where I was, this is what I've learned, and this is where I want to continue to be. So we encourage them. We encourage them to work with great people like Branya that is dedicating her life to coaching, facilitating, nurturing, and in, you know, she's come out with her own breakthrough modality to help you really kind of, again, navigate through this process, this thing we call life. There's going to be ebbs and flows, brains. There's going to be challenges. There's, as I love to say, the struggle is real, but to whom much is given, much is required. And so I encourage all of you to take advantage of this opportunity to work with a great woman like this, to do some deep diving, to journal, to accept responsibility for your actions, not always be the victim, but be the victor. As she said, don't just, you know, don't just be alive. We want you to thrive. Please tell my brains how to get in contact with you, Branya, so that they can work with you on a deeper level and get more information. So I've got a, a PowerPoint you can put up on the screen here that's got my details on it. Okay. But I'll talk now so that you can have that behind the the slide. Okay, so we need to share the screen now. Oh, yeah, we can do it like that if you want to. Uh, thanks, April. So my name is Bronya Batoris. You can connect with me on Facebook or on WhatsApp. You can check out my website at www.thenewwinning.com. You can email me at bronya at thenewwinning.com. Or you can call me or text me. That's my phone number. If you're outside Australia, you might want to use WhatsApp. Um, or, as I say, connect with me on Facebook Messenger. I know my name is a little bit difficult to pronounce and difficult to spell, but at least there's only one of me. So you don't have to scroll through screens and screens trying to figure out who's the right person. There'll only be one of me coming up. Well, there's only one of you in uh, this space. And we really appreciate you and all the work that you're doing. Um, the challenges that you have overcome and how you are really dedicating your life for the embetterment and embodiment of others. Thank you mm. so much, Branya, for being here on the edge with me and my brains. Please come back, keep us updated on any updated programs uh, that you are going through or you're introducing any offers. Do you have any promotions currently? So I have a six week introductory program that helps women understand what is a toxic relationship and what is a healthy relationship then they can either go on to my deep dive program where they really get support to do the work or they can go into my um, weekly support group where I help women who 
are struggling in their relationships, I give them time to ask questions and get support. And then hopefully they get to a place where they're ready to start dating and meet somebody and create a healthy relationship. So then I support them on the healthy dating journey. Well, you are wonderful. And I want to thank you so much again for being here with me and my brains on the edge, uh, all the way from Australia and sharing the love and the wisdom that you have. You're a beautiful soul. Thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you, April. Brains, go in and look at your relationships. Look at how your relationships have been formed from your formative years. Um, your adolescence time, your parenting, your expectations. Are they real? Are they fair to you as well as the others around you? Are you giving people too much leniency? Are you judgmental? Are you a people pleaser? These are some boxes that you want to tick, some things you want to think about here on The Edge. And another thing I want you to think about is subscribing to the podcast. <laughs> Be sure to love, like, and share all of our interviews here on The Edge. All right. Thank you so much. Again, thank you so much, Brian. You're the best. Thank you, April.